You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. This is a conversation that features myself and Costa Tsutalakis. Costa is a member of the band from Melbourne. Their name, Unlucky. The reason for the conversation is to promote Unlucky's upcoming, it's soon to be released EP, the name of that, Before It's Too Late. Let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go. No worries. What's been happening, mate? Look, not much. <laughs> um, yeah, preparing for a new launch, that's about it. Well, look, I've got to tell you, you've taken me by surprise in a really good way. Uh, you're a, a lot different to the other stuff that, that I've come across on Firestarter, with the exception of Rat King. And even then, you're very different to Rat King. Oh, right. I'm going to pay you a very big compliment because awesome, I know you're the okay. guitarist. I know you're the guitarist on this album here. So, look, I'm I'm an indie journalist and I've got my show on Four Triple Z here in Brisbane, which is a bit like what you've got down there. I think it's Four Three Triple R down there in Melbourne. So I'm yeah. on the, the equivalent yeah. radio station. So I get a lot of advance releases. I get a lot of once-offs. I get all sorts of stuff. So I was fortunate fortunate enough recently mm-hmm. to get some of the uh, some of Tom Morello's material. And it's not not that good. So I'm a fan of Rage Against the Machine, by the way. Now, when I heard what you were doing, particularly the the rhythmic aspect of what you're playing, he needs to give you a call, mate, because he's he's lost a little bit of it, but you've taken up where Bulls on Parade left off, where Evil Empire left off. That's that's too big of a man. Yeah, well, it's a heavy cross to bear, but you might as well take it, mate, because that's what I'm hearing. And I listen to a lot of music. I do a lot of writing, and I'm listening to a lot of music. Mm. And uh, I'm a, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a critical listener. I try to find the good. There's no doubt about that. And I'm always mm-hmm. trying to find the good. But with your material, mate, it goes a little bit beyond that because I think you've really got a great understanding. And I could be wrong here, mate, that you're significantly influenced by him, but it certainly sounds like that. But I think it goes beyond that. You, yeah, under- yeah. you understand what makes his guitar playing great. <laughs> well, yeah, look, I, I've just, that's been my thing over the past couple of years to essentially just push um, myself creatively and tonally as much as I possibly could. So I guess Morello, no doubt, has been a massive influence. The guy is a master at you know, just, in doing just that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I agree. I heard a few samples of his... Um, latest uh, record and I've got to say that it's definitely kind of taken a different path different direction altogether yeah he's, he's, he's almost gone populist in that he's decided that he wants to reach for as broader audience as he possibly can and you know what fair play to him he's probably almost 50 or thereabouts and he's been slogging away for many years but yeah. I, I think that a guy like him the reason I like Tom's playing so much is because I, I, I identify a lot of classic rock in his playing. I'm talking about Jimmy Page, Brian May. Um, you're talking about Aerosmith as well. He manages to get classic rock. Kiss, Ace Frehley's playing, and he manages to make it sound really, really cool and puts a boogie and a swagger to it that nobody else really is able to do. Yeah. But he yeah. just hasn't done enough of it lately, as we know. I saw... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I saw Prophets of Rage down at Download, and look, it's okay. If you want Rage Against Machine, that's the next best thing, I suppose, and there's there's a lot of yelling and sirens and stuff going on, but for somebody <laughs> somebody like myself who's focused on his performance is squarely rooted in his musicianship, I want him to be more of that 
Now, I understand, as I say, he's got to lean into some of the other political and uh, the socially aware stuff that he likes to engage in, but he's an excellent guitarist. Sure. He's an outstanding guitarist, and I'm hearing so much mm -hmm. of his work in your stuff, but as I say, mate, I think you, you've, you understand what makes Tom Morello great to the point where you've expanded on it and there's a lot of cost during this playing. I'm not saying you're a mimic of what he's doing whatsoever, but I'm saying that you understand what he's mm -hmm. doing so well that you've been able to build on it. I think that's a fair call. Like, yeah, we wouldn't be too far off there. Um, I, I, yeah, I, especially when we started out in particular, I'd say Rage and Tom Rowe in particular would have been a huge, huge influence on my playing. Hmm. Um, but now coming out of... Um, you know, the beginning stages of the band and setting it up and whatnot, I've kind of tried to almost as much as I can pull away from that um, and do my own sort of thing, more so that, as you said, I don't get labelled as, oh, here's another, you know, Tom Rowe copycat sort of thing. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you see uh, more than Rowe, but I'm also glad that you see the importance because you know, he's, a, he's a mad player. Mm. Well, in, in the arrangements... Uh, we'll talk about the lyrics and the sex. I'll just focus on the music for now. In the way that you've put the riffs mm -hmm. together and the arrangements, I'm also hearing a bit of Regurgitator, Body Count, Faith No More, that wonderful band from Adelaide from about 20 years ago, Test Eagles. I don't know whether you remember them or whether you've even heard of them. Um, Muse. Yeah, check out Test Eagles on YouTube. Muse, yeah. you'll, you'll know what I mean. They're, they're spelt T-E-S-T-E-A-G-L-E-S -E -E like testicles, but Test Eagles. They were a very big band okay. when, I, when I was okay, a young right. fella. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing a lot of Muse as well. Congratulations on um, picking up on some Matt Bellamy there because that's not easy to do either. Um, the, <laughs> the Pixies. I was hearing a bit of Joey Santiago yeah, when you're I, playing as well. Yeah, I do love a fair bit of... Um, like, I don't know, the dirtier side of music, a grungier kind of, uh, edgier kind of style. I got really into that. Even a bit of Jack White, I got a fair bit into him not too long ago and just that kind of real raw kind of style of playing just like hmm. not giving a crap and sort of just slamming it out sort of style but yeah I'd say picks the I'd say the main influence but yeah definitely enjoy the pictures yeah and the, and the final one so don't take offence at this one because to be honest with you like a lot of people I can't stand Limp Biscuit, but I do think Wes Borland is a, is a very good guitarist oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Wes Borland are you a fan are you you like them do you no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, they're they're terrible. They uh, they uh, they did okay yeah, at download, I thought. Shocking. But it's it's just that, oh, it's just cringeworthy, really, isn't it? The lyrics and Fred Durst. It's just thing. straight up cringe. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god, it's pure cringe. But yeah, I look, I'm sure some people love it. But yeah, it's just not my not my thing. <laughs> it was really. I got to tell you, mate. It was really surprising down at at because being from Brisbane, when I say down at download in Melbourne, at the download in in Melbourne. Um, yeah, yeah. The amount of people that were getting into Limp Biscuit that didn't look like they were people that would normally get into Limp Biscuit. Now I'm not casting judgment on people <laughs> need to look like things to listen to certain music, but I was surprised, genuinely surprised that they went down as well as what they were they did. Yeah, yeah, I'm no doubt. I'm sure in the live setting, you, you, you go after them. It'd be a good bit of fun, but I'll, you know, sometimes I think I'll listen to it in the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I was probably, I, I was what can I say if they never came back and didn't try to release an album I don't think anybody would really lose too much sleep but they have an audience down <laughs> here unfortunately somehow <laughs> I don't know how they right. but, but in Australia they, they someone was telling me because I do a lot of interviews 
with international uh, people who live overseas, in other words, and um, mm. they they explained to me that Limp Biscuit was in in 2018 is basically an Australian phenomenon. They're not really popular anywhere else except for down here and. I had to say, look, allow me to retort. I don't know anybody that likes them. <laughs> and I know a lot of musicians and nobody yeah. references them. So yeah. there must it, it's a bit yeah. like the Nickelback thing maybe that they a lot of people listen to them on the down low and they don't listen to them in speakers. They're listening to them in headphones and in their car. And it's like a, it's like a secret indulgence, like a biscuit in the middle of the night or something. Yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. <laughs> so, mate, you, you're a wonderful band here. Uh, as I said, I'm quite taken with what you guys are doing. So just give me the, the, the high-level overview of how you got together and, and what you guys were trying to achieve when you got together. Okay, okay. that's a good question. Um, look, uh, so, look, we got together maybe... Uh, we've had, to be fair, we've had a couple of lineup changes since we officially started, but I'd say what we've been doing with the current lineup is you know, been the tightest, the strongest is down in the and that started about two years ago now. And I'd say our goal when we came together was to just make music that was true and real and raw and, you know, had a focus on something. You know, it wasn't just, uh, you know, just junky music. So we figured we wanted to create something that was unique and something that, I don't know, that, I don't know if it's bold enough to say that hasn't been done before, but something that is, you know, pushing boundaries in one respect or another. Yep, yep, fair enough. And the lyrical theme, I'll ask you about that now. Now, I appreciate you might not write the lyrics, but if you could speak on behalf of uh, Walid, I hope I pronounced his first name there correctly. What's um? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I can only imagine what you guys are singing about on the rest of the cuts, but you, you, you're dead on point with the lyrics there to KFC. So because I'm going to be releasing this as a podcast yeah. episode and also on my radio show, can you explain to the listeners what KFC is all about, the lyrical theme? KFC in particular, yeah, sure. But, uh, to, to really sum it up, I'd say KFC is about exposing not only hypocrisy specifically of the United States, but um, just exposing hypocrisy that's around the world, but, you know, the current time. That's yep. kind of our, our goal behind the for KFC. Yeah, and, and Morpheus being on the front cover, there's got to be a, a de- there's certainly an obvious link there back to the Matrix, but how obvious is the link? Can you explain the Morpheus reference on the front cover of the album? Or the EP, I should say? <laughs> well, there's, an interesting, uh, there's a bit of an interesting story there. So the Morpheus idea um, essentially came from um, a designer we were working with. So we, we had the concept of the blue and the red um, colour scheme to represent kind of truth and falsehood. So we kind of we kind of put red as being the truth. It's kind of brutal, it's kind of in your face. It's ugly and um, no one really wants it, but it is the truth. So we're using red to represent the truth and using blue to represent, you know, falseness and lies and um, what people just want to see sort of thing. So mm-hmm. we wanted to keep EP incredibly basic, incredibly simple, just very bold in the face. And we had the idea of... Um, so a pair of glasses, uh, and the inside rims of the glasses were red. So essentially, looking through the glasses, you see the truth, and everything else was just a, a solid blue color. Mm-hmm. And we sent our concept to a designer, a bit of a graphic designer, and he came back with the Morpheus spin on it to make it a little bit more eye-catching. And we thought, yeah, it's a great idea. Having Morpheus on the cover of the book completely makes sense. And he's like, 
red, uh, red pill and blue pill kind of um, team. And they yeah. completely into the idea of indoctrination and, and the whole team of that EP. So we thought, yeah, it's a mad idea. We'll go with that. Yeah, that's, that's bloody good. And it's a very good explanation, very thorough. I like the fact that so much thought's gone into it, particularly in these days that I take it you'll be selling this uh, as, a, as a physical copy via a CD or cassette or vinyl even, but uh, people often don't look at the album or the, the cover or the artwork that is associated with uh, music as it pops up on their media player or so, but that's very catching what you've done there and mm. it's such a great link back to the lyrical theme. So the question I'll ask you next here is about the cut Raw Power. So you're probably aware of a band called The Stooges, Iggy and The Stooges, and they had a uh, yeah, an album yeah, called Raw Yeah, yeah. So is that does that reference Iggy yeah, and The Stooges? Yeah. Um, no, not at all, actually. Uh, to be fair, I didn't actually hear any of uh, Iggy Pop's work um, until long after we actually wrote that song and long after we named that song. So that song was purely named um, on the basis of the, you know, just based off the lyrics, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. And tours and supporting the EP. So you're going to be playing around Melbourne, of course, but are you going further afield? Okay, so current process of uh, organised tour, and I don't know if it's fair to say that anything's set in stone yet, but I'm definitely working on that at the moment, and we're definitely hoping to tour maybe end of December, early January, around about there, hopefully do a bit of an East Coast soon. Good on you, good on you. Have you got any bands that you're thinking of teaming up with to go on that tour? Um, the guys in our EP launch is quite good. I've been trying to get this lineup happening for years now, legit two or three years of knowing these guys and they're, they're good fun and they're great guys so yeah, I wouldn't mind um, bringing Odd Souls and Del Santo and that'd be pretty cool mm. Hey, I'll just ask you a question because I'm a bass player obviously I was, I'm always interested in when a band has a massive sound like what you guys do and uh, Blackstone from The mm-hmm. Sun over in Perth are in a similar boat actually but they're a duo but you guys are a trio that doesn't have a bass guitar but I understand that you do play the bass guitar and you also played bass on the album, on the EP so correct me if I'm wrong does the bass play any kind of a role in the music that you've got? The bass, yeah, that's, um, look, that's fair. we had a bass player and then uh, one of the biggest uh, you, you don't know how important bass really is until you don't have it. So yeah, true. <laughs> we're playing along and we realised, man, this band is just straight up empty, you know. It's, it's got no punch, it's not thick, it's got no density to it. We figured we can't do this um, guitar, drums and vocals, we need bass. So I kind of, one day was in the back room where we rehearsed, just in the back of my garage. I had a bit of an old strat there, it was a, one of those, you know, cheap starter strats and it all smashed up, the things were popping off, and the pickups had broken off, and I kind of ripped one of the pickups off and thought, maybe if I stick this on my guitar sideways and have it only pick up the low E string, run that to an octave down pedal, and then feed that into a bass amp, um, I could essentially play bass whenever I was playing on my low E string and let the other strings play kind of the, the more guitar stuff. So yeah. I've been working on that setup, and it's kind of been how we recorded and how we've been playing ever since. You're a smart man, Costa. I'll hand it to you, mate. Yeah, you've really thought about this, haven't you? The whole thing. Yeah, I can. I, I love it when a musician such as yourself has gone to the extent, the the the, the detail that you have to deliver such wonderful music for people. And I, I understand that people who aren't musicians won't 
they won't understand this the nuances that I'm talking about here now, but you just, mm. you strike me as a sort of bloke that thinks intently about what you're trying to deliver and you'll stop at nothing until you've actually achieved it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I really appreciate, um, yeah, just very emotional. We put a lot of work into mm. every fine detail you can possibly think of. You know, we, don't, um, we don't go ahead with anything unless we really kind of strung it out and said, you know, why are we going to do this? It's not just a matter of, you know, why is the EP being really just because we might get that? It has to be because of this, this and this. Why do we use words on the chorus? It's a very kind of drawn out process with everything we do. And, I'd say probably that's um, pushed out of us a lot from our drummer as well. She's a bit of a perfectionist and, you know, we don't release anything or do anything unless we've kind of really kind of sat down and said, hey, why are we doing this? What's the message? What's the meaning? Um, what do we intend to do with this? That kind of thing. It's just, yeah, it can be a bit painful sometimes, but you know, <laughs> I think at the end of the day it works for us. So you, uh, I might, you might have mentioned something there, sorry, I just couldn't hear it that clearly. Your drummer's name is Christina. And forgive me profusely here if okay. I mispronounce your surname, but is it is it Sudalakis? Sudalakis? Is that how you spell your surname and Christina's surname? Yeah, yeah, pretty nice. Okay, there you go. Yeah, it's sort of like it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a long name. <laughs> there you go. It's almost it's almost like mine, Mackay Smith. You wouldn't believe how many people mispronounce mine. I've actually had people, and I know you'll know what I'm talking about, tell me that I'm mispronouncing my mm. own name. <laughs> I mean, so oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you get that, yeah. yeah you think, yeah, okay, that. you're right. Definitely it's just that. my name. <laughs> but uh, you guys, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, are yourself and Christina related in any way? Yeah, Christina's my first cousin. Aha, uh-huh. that would have been interesting growing up then. So, did you guys exchange a lot of ideas around the dinner table when you were kids, musically speaking? Um, no, no, all actually, kind of. Like more, almost coincidental that we came to play music together. She, she, I was in dabbling in guitar and you know keyboard. I played an ancient Cretan instrument called the guitar. I've just been messing with music since I was quite young. Hmm. Christina hopped on to the drum kit when she was maybe fifteen and sixteen, and I used to go to her place and I'd watch her play drums. And I think, man, she's pretty good. But I never even considered the idea of you know playing with her in the future. Hmm. And it just came to be that. Um, a couple of years back, our drummer left us uh, due to personal reasons, and I thought, you know, Christina's an awesome player. I don't see why she shouldn't be in the band, which is a good idea as well, and that's it. That's how it started. But we never had any kind of discussions or musical jams prior to the band for me. Mm, there you go. Rightio. So there's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you go... Uh... Does the band act as a democracy, or is it is it a benevolent dictatorship? With say, I'm, I'm just picking you because I'm talking to you. Are you at the head of the tree, so to speak, and you tell the other guys what to do, and they're not along, not along dutifully? Or is it a bit more of a dict- bit more of a democracy than that? Uh, no, no, no. I definitely say it's a democratic um, the way we work, and it's all about you know everyone does a little bit, and everyone puts in, and we all contribute to each other's. Um, Input, so it's, yeah, it's very, very democratic at the end of the day. We all input equally and we'll have our say. It's not a matter of one person says this and we all follow. Um, that's another interesting thing I've found about a lot of bands that I know in Melbourne, the idea of, um, uh, you know, I wrote this song and he wrote that song. And it's like, I just, it's so foreign that concept to me because we're just so used to writing together as a group. We kind of get together, we play it out, we jam it out, and that's how all our songs come about. So I, I really don't understand this idea. Uh, I think the band and uh, creating the song and saying, "Now, oh, here goes. Here's what we've written. You know, this is the next track we're putting together." 
I think what you're referencing there is people's egos within bands, and I've been in enough bands in my life. I'm still in bands right now. I'm in a really good setup now, by the way, but God, in years gone by, mate, I've pulled my hair out when I'm dealing with people and their their entitlement, not just toward <laughs> writing songs, but what they're doing at gigs and how much they should get paid and all the usual bullshit that goes along with being uh, with bands. Yeah. It's, it's hard, yeah, mate, yeah. isn't it? It's so hard. Oh, uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, look, if you're hanging out with the same dudes... Um, you know, two or three times a week even and gigging with them and touring with them. And it's like, yeah, no doubt you're going to crash at some point about something. Yeah, it's not it's not uncommon. But, you know, got to push through it. Get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, especially when it comes down to finances. That was That's always been the hardest part of it by far, as far as I'm concerned, is you... Um, oh, right. To get a band, as you well know, to pay for studios... Uh, transportation if you've got gigs outside of in your case melbourne uh re the rehearsal situation all of it and you can almost be too nice to people and they don't understand that you're trying to help the band out and you're helping them out they can just come back and bite you yeah, no, no, no. afterwards yeah. can't they and, no, and yeah, talk about it's terrible isn't it but it's i don't think it's just bands by the way i'm, yeah. not, I'm not one of those guys who says you know it's just musicians or what have you it's i think the thing about being in a band is you're in such close quarters and it's such a personal pursuit it's such an it's such a passion mm. passionate pursuit and it's so rooted in our Absolutely. emotional state that people tend to get emotional about it don't they 100 100 yeah mm. So, mate, this, this excellent release of yours, I understand it is uh, Before It's Too Late, the name of the EP. When's it coming out? 17th of uh, this month, August. It's coming out, so it's coming Friday. Awesome. Okay. And for people listening, whereabouts can they look you guys up so they can either purchase a copy or stream it? Um, I guess the, the central hub of everything we do is a Facebook page. You just go facebook.com slash you found us that's lucky you'll come across our page or if you just search up unlucky band melbourne on google or whatever you'll come across our facebook page and essentially everything we have linked to that cool well mate good luck with it all um it's a, it's an excellent release as i said and anybody out there that's a fan of what tom morello has done in the past is really going to dig what's going on here there's some really interesting lyrics here too that'll keep people thinking and get people engaged on a on a lyrical mm -hmm. and on a social basis basis as well there's some great rhythms throughout the whole thing you're right about your drummer there she's done an excellent job there so i just really hope this finds the audience that you want it to find and it actually does what you want it to achieve for you guys because it certainly deserves to find a broader audience and give you guys a bit of a leg up so hopefully you can take this a bit broader a bit broader than just australia and take it to europe and north america hopefully mm, yeah definitely man yeah thanks for that yeah really hoping for for a bit of uh, traction a bit of um recognition for what we're doing as well but you know at the end of the day it's a it's a musical thing it's so subjective um so we're not going to be shouting if no one cares about it or if everyone cares about it and the um if anyone listens to it i'd be happy and just your um praise about it and i appreciate that very much we put a lot of work into it as you can imagine being in bands it's a it's a big job putting the kids that um working on the tours and whatnot so it is thank you man. no problems at all mate. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That was a conversation between myself and Costa Sudalakis from the band Unlucky. Thank you so much for listening.